0: This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles, and let's get started.
1: Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Now, on the first day of the week, and this one little detail is important to the Entire kingdom of God. Because this one detail was the turning point in the type of worship that we do. Right? Because it says on the first day of the week, and that's Sunday. the First day of the week. Which means that Christians now worship on Sunday, the Lord's Day. I think we talked about this a little bit last week, distinguishing between the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. Well, now we worship on the Lord's Day because this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Very early, mind you, rising from the dead in about Gary's time, 3 o'clock in the morning. Which, believe me, you probably have all the peace and quiet you need to do your devotions at that hour. Now, Mary is the one who is featured in John's narrative for whatever reason we do not know. But here's the key detail. Look at verse 2. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. This means that John is accounting for the fact that there were other women at the tomb at the time, that Mary Magdalene didn't go by herself. Because, let's look at this. In Matthew, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there. In Mark, it's Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, which is the other Mary in Matthew's Gospel, and Salome. And in Luke, it's Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Joanna and the other women with them. This, is, this does not mean that any of these accounts are inaccurate. It just means that the writer decided to report that detail or these details rather than just focusing on Mary Magdalene alone. Now, here's another key detail. We do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple... And they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, why were they running to the tomb? Why would you think that? Most New Testament scholars tell us They believed that they were running to the tomb because Peter and John were not sure that Jesus had really risen from the dead and they wanted to go to the tomb and see it for themselves. Because you wonder, Mary Magdalene and these other women brought the spices and other things to anoint Jesus' body. Which means they had questions about what Jesus meant when he kept saying And on the third day, rise from the dead. Because at that time, there was only a belief that there would be a resurrection. But there was no proof that any had taken place. Although I think Elijah and Elisha both raised somebody from the dead. But that was it. In the 2,000 previous years of biblical history, from Abraham's story all the way to John the Baptist... Only from what I can tell by reading the Old Testament, only two people had been raised from the dead up to that time. So they didn't have a great amount of context, as it were, or whatever for the understanding what it meant to be risen from the dead. So they were doubting and stooping in, stooping to look in. He saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb And he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not, let's see, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Now, here's an absolutely fascinating detail. And this is evidence that we know that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Is the grave clothes were lying there. If anyone had been breaking into the tomb to steal the body, or if his disciples were trying to get into the tomb to take the body away, they would have picked up the whole thing. They would have picked up Jesus and the grave cloths that were wrapped around him. But the grave cloths were still there. So there's speculation on whether or not Jesus passed through the cloths automatically or if Jesus had gotten up, taken them off and just threw them back down or whatever when he rose from the dead. And then there was the face cloth separate from the others, obviously, and it was folded up very neatly. So someone had actually physically done that. So that means... Based on this part of the evidence that Jesus clearly rose from the dead. And think about it, if a grave robber had come there, they'd have just picked up the whole bundle, clothes and all, and carried him away. But the cloths were still there. Now, John also went into the tomb and he saw and believed. Now remember, this is John's gospel. So John's giving himself a little credit there. He saw and he believed. So John's letting everybody know that John believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped, stooped to look in. But let's back up a little bit. They've taken the Lord's body away, and we don't know where they've laid him. Mary is, again, the featured woman in, this, in John's narrative, but where we're going with this is that she went back to the disciples and told them that Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb. Now, when they went back to talk about how she had seen Jesus risen from the dead, Luke tells us in his gospel that the disciples thought those were idle tales. See, the disciples didn't even believe that he had actually risen from the dead. And that's a, you know, we can't fault them too much because that's a pretty heady thing to have happen when it's almost never happened before. But he did rise from the dead. So Mary stood outside the tomb weeping and she saw the two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. This detail is important because the Old Testament law says on the strength of two witnesses something can be upheld. Now granted they were angels, but there were two of them. So that evidence was introducible and admissible in a court of law, except the one with the Pharisees were leading because they were determined to get rid of Jesus. But there were the two witnesses required by the law. Now, she thought he was the gardener and didn't recognize him at first. Why was that? And is it because Jesus was in his resurrected body and his body had been restored to the physical condition he was in before all of the brutal treatment at the time of his being condemned in the court by the Pharisees and then given over to... Crucifixion by Pilate. His was a strengthened, restored body. The last time Mary Magdalene had seen Jesus was when he was looking like a... beaten up very badly, scarred, bleeding, losing all of his blood, and it was in pretty bad shape. And if you've ever seen the movie The Passion of the Christ... You all know how brutal that was. But my guess is Mel Gibson didn't go far enough. And you think, oh my gosh, you know. They showed Jesus being all gashed up with, that, with the scourge that had the rocks and the hooks and other things in it that would tear the flesh off of his back. But that's the last way that Mary Magdalene had seen Jesus. And so there he is in this perfect body again standing there. So she thinks he's the gardener. Okay, you know, good guess, I guess. But wrong. Jesus spoke to her and called her name. And remember in John chapter 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So she recognized his voice and then she declares, Rabboni, which means teacher. So, that's, Our talk for John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. And it says again that Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Now, our next scripture passage we're going to look at is the one from 1 Corinthians. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. What does that mean? That means that if our only hope in Christ is in this life. We're in trouble. Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. We won't be raised either. That's the point that Paul is making in this passage. But in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For As by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 22 upholds the biblical doctrine of original sin. Because of Adam and his uh, lack of willingness to tell his wife no, and some of you may be able to understand that, he couldn't say no to his wife Eve. He took the bite, or took the bait, and the bite, and sin entered the world. And in Romans chapter 5, Paul tells us that death came into the world through sin. Now, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So, there will be a resurrection. And then, It talks about at his coming. That's his second coming. When Christ returns, all of his people from all time will receive resurrection bodies. Now, I don't know about you, but if we ever are given a choice as to what our resurrection body will look like, I want to look like George Clooney (laughs) and have a body like John Cena. But that's not probably going to happen. I'm going to have to be satisfied with this thing. <laughs> yeah, you laugh now, but it's the same way for all of you, too. Almost
0: there. What was that? Nothing. <laughs>
1: all right. Now, on the reign of Christ and the subjection, all things under his feet, then death. When believers are fully resurrected from the dead the destruction of death will be complete. So that means when Jesus comes back and because the last enemy is death, when he comes back and all of the believers and all of his followers and all the righteous saints from the beginning of, from Noah onward or whatever, maybe even all the way back to Adam, all those folks are coming out of the grave raised from the dead and then death will be defeated forever. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we're not going to die physically, bummer, but it means that we will live forever in heaven with our risen Savior and King Jesus. Now there's some pretty heady theology in this short passage, but that's about all we have time for today, so I'll end it by saying amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at christthekingnorthshore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at Christ the King North Shore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your power for living.